You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 126, we'll be discussing our prelude to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. Damn it, which one of you messed with the teleprompter? Question mark, Sanjay. <laughs> welcome everyone to our prelude to Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. This is something we like to do before every single big Marvel, Star Wars, or DC film. We run down some of the things that we think you should know going into that film, how it may connect to the comic books, and how it connects to the wider universe they are set in. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm a little worried because this is our last MCU film until next March. Wow. Pretty wild. A big gap coming up here for both Star Wars and Marvel films. But overall, guys, how are you feeling about Ant-Man the Wasp? Is the hype building? Is it there? I'm coasting, man. I'm kind of chilling. I'm, you know, I'm gonna probably catch it this Friday or Saturday. But um, I'm going in just like the, how I went into Ant Man One, and I was kind of blown away with just those lower expectations. So uh, I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see the Wasp actually kick some ass. I'm like a Wasp fan in this whole uh, MCU, so I can't wait, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, to me, I thought the anticipation and like the the hype for this movie would have been higher. Just like from what I've seen, like it is pretty high. But I was expecting like people are saying like, oh, it's gonna make like 85, 90 mil. I don't know. I don't know why, but I was expecting like 120, 130. Now maybe that was too high of expectations. But you know, you look at Iron Man three coming off of Avengers, and that got like a huge bump. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Ant Man and the Wasp, so the next movie coming out after Infinity War and after Black Panther, so two six hundred million dollar movies. And I was like, okay, Ant Man and the Wasp is gonna get that huge bump, but I don't think it is. I think it's gonna get like a little nice, nice bump. You know, like a little like baby bump well not like a baby bump but like a little baby bump like you know what months. i mean <laughs> <Four months. laughs> yeah. yeah you know it came out with 57 million dollars in its opening weekend gross whenever it did come out 2015 so doing anything mm-hmm. close to 100 is almost doubling what it did which is pretty good you don't see that quite often with sequels but if you look at overall the marketing everything going on i think they've done very well to push this movie out there i think the expectations have always been a relatively low for this film but from what we're hearing it sounds like it's gonna be really good from just a pure comic book film doing something different taking that comedic angle and taking some really cool characters in ant-man and the wasp and expanding their own personal universe around them bringing guys in like bill foster goliath bringing in janet van dyne so we're gonna see a lot of of the continuity and the history built around these two characters and really grow this individual universe, which is something that we're going to see projected beyond phase three because we're coming really to the end of that. We have three movies, including Ant-Man and the Wasp, that get us to the end of phase three, the end of this huge culmination, this huge continuity, this huge arc that's been building within the MCU for the last 10 years. So we're on the home stretch here. This is the second to last film, or third to last film, sorry, before we get to that Avengers whatever, Avengers Endgame or something to that effect. But we're going to get into all of that discussion, a little bit more into the characters, the box office predictions from us individually, what we hope to see from this film and introduce you to some of the new characters and all that towards the end of the film. Because like we always do, we got to kick this episode off with our week in nerd. Gentlemen, 
How's comics? How's collecting? How is being a nerd this past week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. You know, I haven't picked up any comics or movies for this week, so it's been a slow week in that regard. But I did check out my main man Tim's favorite franchise, Jurassic World 2, Fallen Kingdom. And, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for you because I know you're a huge fan. I don't know. Have you seen it yet, True? I've been spoiled already. I took it. Oh, you've seen it already or you just, like, got spoiled? No, I asked to be spoiled. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, (laughs) you know, the film, I don't know if I like it more than Jurassic World or not. It's pretty similar. Uh, the special effects were really cool and you know dinosaurs have never looked better except for the first one these are like the second best they've ever looked you know i I don't want to give anything away so it's hard to like give my thoughts on the movie you know i I give it like a solid six out of ten it's a fun fun dumb movie shut your brain off at the door (laughs) (laughs) just i finished my popcorn at that movie so you know it's not one of those movies where you set the popcorn aside you definitely need the popcorn for this one it's pure popcorn flick in all its glory well, I've, I've got, my dad actually texted me the other day and he said, when you get home, let's go see this. So I'm waiting to do that. So I got a couple of weeks before I'm actually going to see it in theaters. Nice. But I'm pretty excited. We saw quite a few of the Jurassic Park films. I think all of them that I was of age to see. So I didn't see Jurassic Park in 1993 until it came out in VHS. But I've seen every other film, Jurassic Park film with them, which is pretty cool. Awesome. And what did you think of Jurassic World? You know, I thought it was, it was a good movie. You know, it... It captured the essence of the franchise a bit. It was nice to see a park that functioned for a yeah. little bit. Um, but my heart will always go back to Jurassic Park. Oh, nothing you know, more. And I actually really quite like Jurassic World or Jurassic... What is it? The second one? Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like that one as well. I have a feeling this one's going to have that same vibe or a similar vibe to it at least. And I'm looking forward to how they evolve this franchise because they got to start doing something different, right? Jurassic World in the same essence that The Force Awakens was. It was kind of a callback to that nostalgia of the original film i think in in its just basic form so i'm hoping that they take this and kind of go a bit sideways i know the tag on the bottom is the park is gone mm-hmm. you know and we can know from the previews that clearly something's happening so it's gonna be interesting how they take this franchise because they're not going to leave this at two and i'm assuming there's some sort of cheese for three because this is a huge franchise it's still doing very well at the box office as is incredibles no pat on my own back here <laughs> for the fantasy draft, but yeah, I'm excited to go see this. I, I actually think you might enjoy this one more than I did. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go out there and say you'll give it a higher score than six out of ten. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, I, I have some stakes in it. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> what about you, my man? What have you, Troy? How's how's your weekend, nerd? Yeah, man, it's been pretty uh, pretty low key. I caught up on all my Batman, except for the big oh. issue five zero that's coming out. By the time this airs, you'll be able to check it out in your local comic book shop. That's right. That's but right. Uh, man, this wedding's going down. We're getting pretty close to it. Tom King is doing some crazy work right now, man. It's it's really hard to come off the heels of what uh, Scott Snyder did with um, you know uh, Court of Owls, that whole yeah. run, all that stuff that he did back there with uh, Capullo. Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this run's been fantastic. I caught up with all my Spider-Man. I think I covered that last week. Yeah. And I've actually gone this weird route with the Disney store. I've gone and actually picked up those little, like, die-cast mini figures. You know, they hit those little play sets. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I find them so cool. I just, <laughs> it's weird. I was in my nerd room the other day, and I was looking at those old Toy Biz little, like, two-inch figures. They're, like, steel yeah. die-cast. And I was like, man, I want to get my hands on those. So I went on eBay looking everywhere. These things were crazy. You know, for two of them, they come in like a dual set. These things were like 39 bucks American. What? And then 17 shipping. I'm like, okay, I'm not going down this. <laughs> yeah. So, I was, you know, Disney Store has a couple of those little minifigure sets. I like it. So I went down there and uh, they have a cool sale going on right now. So I picked up, uh, obviously, the Spider-Man Homecoming Wave. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get that Infinity War line too. Cause are, these, are they plastic? They are plastic. Yeah. I haven't opened them yet. 
Yeah. yeah. They come in like that little bubble thing. They come in a little bubble. There's like about six figures. I think the Infinity War is a deluxe set though. Yeah. So you get about 12 or so yeah. in there. The price point's cool. I just try to figure out a way to display them. Yeah. The paint know? apps aren't super fantastic. They're not incredible. But... You get really limpy lightsabers as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that. So I stayed away from the Star Wars ones. Yeah. I saw like the Kylo Ren and whatnot and Rey. And yeah. I didn't really like the look of the blades on those. So yeah, that's about it, man. Pretty quiet. I'm still playing my uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 as well. It's uh, it's going down over there online. And, nice. Uh, that's about it, man. Pretty yeah. chill. Cool. Yeah. Chill. cool. Well, I've had an even quieter weekend, nerd. I almost did <laughs> nothing. I was away for the weekend, and I didn't have a chance to really hit the comic book shop off last week. I didn't do any hunting while I was down in the U.S. there. I just kind of did my thing when I was there as a bachelor party, so you know how things go. <laughs> you know, I'm still hurting a little bit here, <laughs> and we're like two, three days, or two days after I got home. But, no, it was a ton of fun, but yeah, that makes my weekend nerd really, really quiet. You know, I did a little bit of organizing here, a bit more in the nerd room, and I'm getting excited for this week's comic book run because not only is there the Batman issue number 50, the wedding of Batman and Catwoman, but also Captain America number one, another number one oh. for Captain America. And this is by the author who's been doing the Black Panther series. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really excited for them to take Captain America in a different direction. I haven't been loving the story that's going on right now. And it looks like they're kind of going to shift the focus a bit back towards your traditional Captain America stories. We're getting the man, the red, white, and blue guy. He's coming out on July 4th, so very appropriate. And I'm excited for that. Like I'm excited to get to the comic book shop this week and just kind of get back into it a little bit. Cool, cool. Yeah, another one from uh, number one from Marvel. So, uh, (laughs) you know, kind of, kind of expected. But I don't know how long is this uh, run? Do you think gonna last for Captain America? I know they've been doing these number one issues. They did one for Tony Stark. We talked about it a bit last week. They're doing one for Thor as well. But they're keeping the legacy numbers in there as well. So this is a bit more, I think, part of the bigger legacy relaunch. Maybe not titled underneath it but this idea of going back to basics so i think we just have to get used to this i know we've been hammering on about this for what seems like a couple years at marvel is that we get new number ones seemingly almost every six months or so so almost like a season of some sort and marvel's focus has continued to be on bringing in new people via number ones, making that barrier entry lower. Now, we've commented in the past that that's not always the case. You need to have a bit of background to things. And one of the questions that we have this week from Darth Goody is about jumping into some of the older stuff. Where do you start? How do you get into it? So that's one thing that we encourage you guys, if you're looking to get into comic books, the same way Grabs did, is fire us over a note and we'll kind of try to rattle off some of these things to help you get into some of these comic books, give you a bit of background. So these new number ones aren't quite as deceiving as they're maybe being with Marvel and the fact that it's probably not the best jumping on point. Now, I'll reserve my opinion for Captain America because I haven't read it yet, but my guess would be is that if you get the character you may find yourself stumbling over some of the references inside of it, particularly going back to Secret Empire because of how Captain America was and that legacy of that and him trying to reshape himself and reform his image within the Marvel comic book universe. That may be a bit confusing, but outside of that, you should probably be able to get into some of these very basic character arcs that hopefully they're kicking off here over the next couple of weeks. Where did your uh, cap end before this issue? 600 or 700? I uh, did 700. I'm thinking about 702, 703. Okay, oh, wow. then it went to the one. Then it's going to jump back to number one. I can't okay. remember exactly. I might be an issue or two behind on the right. current cap arc, either in purchase or in reading. I can't remember which. 
but I'm a couple of issues behind. So I haven't seen the end of the, the last arc that was being told, the one that kind of jumps into this book here. Right. Yeah. So, Troy, tell me about this. So when I was looking through some of the comics that are coming, we saw that Spider-Man finished issue 800, 801, I believe. 801 was Dan Slott's final run. Dan Slott's yeah. final run. But he is doing a team-up with someone to do Spider-Geddon. Yeah. Now, can you elaborate a bit on that? Because it kind of intrigued me a bit. Yeah. I thought Dan Slott's whole run on Spider-Man was coming to an end, but he is still contributing to the character. Appears. That's what I was confused about, too. Yeah. Um, so the next one is going to be Nick Spencer, I believe. Yeah, uh, taking on the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. So it's, it's weird because I thought, yeah, Dan Slott's last run was 801, but I guess he's doing this whole Spider-Geddon, which we've led us to believe is kind of going to be like a sequel follow-up to Spider-Verse. So you're getting all these guys from the different Spider-Man universes like Spider-Gwen, Miles Morales, the Amazing Spider-Man, obviously. And the really cool thing about this story is we're actually getting the PS4 Spider-Man coming into continuity. Oh, nice. nice. So they're pulling him along the ride too, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, not really too sure who the villain is. It's probably going to be, I think it is actually Morlin, who was also part of the original Spider-Verse run. They're basically like these spider hunters. They hunt all the different Spider-Men and Spider-Women around different universes. Cool. And just yeah devour them it's it's crazy they actually feed off these spider people so wow. that's gonna be cool because merlin's one of my favorite spider-man villains anyway so seeing these guys come back into the fold will be interesting but apart from that don't know much i think the artist also worked on spider-verse i could be wrong but the art looks pretty cool on the cover at least so i'm interested yeah definitely i mean it's spider-man i'm definitely yeah, yeah. So. yeah. So, that's awesome i'm lo- loving to hear that dan slot is continuing a little bit with that, because I know you've shed a lot of praise on him. Definitely. For his more recent arcs in Spider-Man, being the longest writer of Spider-Man ten in years. history. Yeah, 10 yeah, years. Just Definitely wow. a lot more wow. positive than negative on his runs. I'd yeah, say. and it's yeah. funny because Marvel seems to have been switching their creative teams a lot, but they've left him alone. Yeah, yeah. I think he just did Spider-Man and he did Silver Surfer yep. for a little bit, but now it's it's interesting. He tried to do a whole Spider-Man, Iron Man kind of thing, or it's making Spider-Man into Iron Man, basically. Right. But now they've given him the keys to write Iron Man. And you, you liked his book quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I did. I liked that, that first issue. It, it hooked me. I'm definitely going after the second one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he does going forward and if he gets a, a long run in a character because I think that benefits you look back at even the Bendis stuff yeah he wrote Avengers for a long time and those are some of my favorite Avengers books oh yeah through that he did the the first run on Guardians of the Galaxy I think volume two it would have been but that's after kind of the initial run and when they brought it back from the film kind of jumped into existence right so he did a lot of that and I enjoyed quite a bit of that and I've had a hard time over the last little bit with the exception of the Infinity War stuff or whatever the Infinity Countdown they're doing right, right now so I've, I really like that so Getting some consistency with a good writer is really important. And as you've guys seen in the DC universe too, consistency in writers it goes a long way Absolutely. in producing a long form piece of storytelling. Like, um, what's his name? Jonathan Hickman on Fantastic Four and Avengers as well. Some yeah. of my favorite stuff. We yeah. constantly praise those books, but it's because you've allowed someone to have a two year window to tell an ongoing story that builds the, this big arc between numerous characters and all kind of points to a head. And that's something that we're always looking for. These short six-issue trade arcs are good, and they serve a purpose to to act as jumping-on points, to sell trades and all that. But we're still looking for that bigger type of storytelling, the storytelling that we get in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? exactly, that vision. Exactly, exactly. Now, speaking of vision, not the character, (laughs) but DC in itself, they've, they've taken a step back, it seems, within the last couple of years and really tried to take their content 
and bring it to a different format, different media. So we talked about last week about their Walmart, them going in with these 100-page books, Mm -hmm. selling them at Walmart, making them very accessible to, say, the the common audience, somewhere that people frequent quite a bit with a relatively low price tag. Now, they continue to do interesting things with their content, as we've talked about in the past with the reveal that they're doing a DC Universe streaming service. Now, the cool thing about this and some of the information that we got, I believe a week or so ago, they did a bit of a launch for it. Um, This is going to be a subscription service similar to Netflix, whatever. You pay X amount of dollars and you get DC content. Now, what they're giving us here is television programming, access to animated series, access to films, and even a lot of DC's back catalog in comic books. Yeah. So very similar to the Marvel Unlimited, but all in one spot. Now, this seems like a pretty cool idea. The fact that you can get everything from Batman the Animated Series, Seasons 1 and 2, Static Shock, Young Justice, Teen Titans, the Christopher Reeves Bat- or Superman films are going to be on there, Batman and Batman Returns are going to be on there, Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. They're also releasing the live-action TV series of Lois and Clark and the Linda Carter Wonder Woman, which is pretty cool. They're getting Justice League Flashpoint, the Green Latin- Lantern, First Flight and Wonder Woman straight to DVD films, animated films. Those are great. And they're also doing original content. So a couple live action things like Titans, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol. They're also doing Young Justice Outsiders and Harley Quinn animated series. So this is all going to be rolling out over the next couple of years onto this direct content streaming service. So it looks like there's going to be a beta version of it in August 2018. So just a month away and a full release later for this year in the fall. The only caveat to all this is it's only available in the USA. <laughs> for right now, but hopefully... For now, yes. Yeah, it's, that's disappointing. You know, I mean, everyone, DCS fans around the world, and Warner Brothers has the distribution now with AT&T as well, that, like, they should definitely... They should be in Canada, they should be in the UK, they should be everywhere. I mean, they're losing millions of dollars. I don't know, maybe it's a rights issue, because I know, like... It, with, yeah, it will be. Yeah, That's why Netflix Canada and Netflix US is different. Yeah, because I know, like, I think in Canada, it's a rule or a law that you need, like, X amount of Canadian content. Yeah, it's so, on the radio. Yeah, so that's why you always hear Celine Dion, Alanis Morissette, yeah. <laughs> Nickelback, all the classics. <laughs> but uh, DC, you know, if they came to Canada, then they'd have to add Canadian content. And I don't think they, you know, just reading off the list, I'm going to guess none of that is Canadian content. So Yeah, they're going to have to find a way to get around that if that is the holdup. If, you know, when I was looking at this, I was like, okay, is it maybe the fact they just want to get this up and running? They want to get yeah. something and they work out the bugs before they do a global launch to this right. thing where it's harder to control outside of the US. Mm-hmm. But overall, it looks like what they're including here is it's a pretty cool service. Like, given that you kind of get all of that content plus the comic books, I think that's a really neat idea is that you can essentially go from your Christopher Reeve Superman or your Dark Knight or your Batman the Animated Series and skip over and find your avenue in to Batman, to Superman, to whatever, Wonder Woman, via a simple click of a button. You're getting digital comic books, something that DC has yet to embrace. So they're quite far behind the game on this one. Mm -hmm. The fact they're introducing it alongside more of their kind of live action visual type of media, the Netflix style, is pretty cool. Troy, what are your thoughts on DC Universe? Oh, I love this. This is this is huge. This is going to be a day one purchase for me. Unfortunately, yeah. I live in Canada. So I, can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, the only thing missing from this list for me is Smallville. I was really yeah. thinking that Smallville would be on here. Um, 
that's unfortunate. But either than that, I'm glad we're getting the Lois and Clark. I, I was a big fan of that. Love that, yeah. yeah. That was like my Superman actually for a minute when I was a kid. So that's cool. We're obviously getting uh, the Batman animated series, which is fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Love you can't that. go wrong with that yeah. series. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. And um, Young Justice, that's that's the one for me. Young Justice and mm-hmm. Titans. I can't wait to see yeah. those two shows go down. We've got some footage already of uh, Dick Grayson's Nightwing, or not Nightwing, but Robin. Yeah. Oh, so doesn't it look fantastic? Yeah. yeah. It looks like dark. something out of the Nolan verse, actually. It really does. Yeah. It really does. And he still has like the new 52 kind of costume going on, which is like a little bit of like the Tim Drake style from the early 90s with the new 52 look. So can't go wrong there, man. It's looking great. I guess he's off the heels of working with Batman, too. So he's no longer working with Batman anymore. So, um, man, can't wait for that. Yeah, and I heard it's going to be like more R-rated, like um, a lot more violence and swearing and stuff. So Cool. Yeah, so that's going to be a really cool series. Um, I heard that like this TV series would be added to like Netflix and stuff like that. So like while we're in Canada, we should still be able to get Young Justice season three, hopefully, and nice. Teen Titans, because man, that's so much cool content. And for it to like miss us, I know I can have to find like I don't know, just go to the U.S. watch it and then come back to Canada or something because uh, I can't miss this. There's so many cool stuff. Just drive up to the border and sit on the edge and get some <laughs> Wi-Fi. Signal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's really cool. Um, there's still lots that they can add. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, this is just like the tip of the iceberg. So, that, you know, as I said, start small and then they're just going to keep adding and adding. And, you know, all the content too with the DC Extended Universe. I'm sh- I don't know if all those films are in there. No, none of them not, are. Really? Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of content that they can add. There's, you know, notice absence star, anything in the DC Extended Universe. The Dark Knight Rises isn't in there. Yeah. So, like, so they seem to be setting this up. Okay, here's our base platform. We'll slowly add things in as we go. They gotta have a reason again for people to come back outside of the new content that they're creating for there. So I think you'll see things like Smallville eventually upload to that and the Dark Knight Rises, DC Extended Universe. You may even see little things like that would be kind of cool is behind the scenes of the making of Aquaman, mm-hmm. these type of things, Blu-ray features maybe. Yeah. Something that gives you a little bit more content at the click of a button to help right. you immerse yourself fully and wholeheartedly into this universe. I think that's what they need to do. And being that they only have, not I say only, but relative to say a Netflix and potentially what a Disney streaming service is, their content is somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. In the sense that they need to be producing new things and kind of trying to bring you in. So I think that's a bit where the comic book stuff, they're going to have this like rotating, you know, list of comic books that you have access to. So it's just keeping it fresh, not having it stagnate. So you may see Smallville pop on, something like Batman the Anime Series come off. And so I don't know exactly how it's all going to work, but there seems to be enough content to begin with to get people intrigued enough to jump into this. Because I agree, I think maybe I do. I don't know if there's a you know one or two month type subscription thing. I wouldn't mind watching Batman the animated series again and kind of getting into maybe some of the comic books on the free because it's a, it's a nice avenue and essentially what you're they're doing here is knocking down a whole bunch of barriers for the DC universe in everything because you see Marvel comics and the MCU are somewhat segregated. They don't see or have a lot of crossover. You know sometimes the comic books picks up threads from the films and use those to leverage sales. But this seems to be like this holistic approach is, is pretty cool and something new and different. I'm hoping that the Disney streaming service takes a little bit of cues from this in the sense that we can have more than just TV shows and films there. You can expand and do different type of things, you know, different type of even animated content and all that. So fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully we get this in Canada in the not too distant future, maybe by 2019. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if they could put Aquaman on there. Maybe the Snyder Cut. 
Yeah. <laughs> Already asking for it. Hashtag release yeah. the Snyder Cut. Do it, WB. Sanjay is in full support. <laughs> now, coming off the back end of this discussion here, we kind of talked a bit about, you know, avenues into things, barriers for entry. DC seems to be dropping a lot of theirs. Now, a good friend of the show, Darth Goody, he has a question here. You can catch him on Twitter. You know, he's a great dude, always interacting, sends us kind of DMs asking a bit about comics. So I want to address something. I have to apologize. He sent this in kind of right before we started to record, so it didn't really fit into the show notes last week, but we're getting into it right here. And it relates to almost a barrier entry for a particular comic book run in Marvel. So Darth Goody writes, hey, fellas, I need some comic book education on the House of M. Admittedly, I'm just now intrigued due to the new Marvel Legends House of M Spider-Man figures coming out. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Researching this just confused me further. Apparently, there's a normal universe as known as the 616. I'm a comic book noob, he says in parentheses. (laughs) So the House, House of M is a separate universe. I only found a five-issue run of House of M Spider-Man, but there seems to be a lot more tie-ins. Do you recommend I dive into any of these? So, off the top there, great question. I love talking about jumping into comic books here, and I agree. You look at some of the way that the events are structured, it's very difficult to understand how you get into this. I went down a very similar path when I first jumped into comics in 2012 with Avengers versus X-Men. I had no idea where to start. There was tie-ins, there was a main run, there was all these heroes battling each other. I just didn't quite get it. But House of M, it's it's absolutely great run. It was done in the Bendis era of yeah. events. It was done in and around Civil War, Secret Invasion. Yeah, a little bit before, yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit before, yeah. but kind of in that that same era of writing. So yeah. it, it ties in very well with a lot of the Bendis stuff that we do like with yeah. Avengers. Now, just to address the first thing here. So the normal Marvel comic book universe is known as the Marvel 616 universe. So at least it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the main continuity that's been run with in Earth prime or whatever Earth prime now after secret wars yeah, yeah so the normal universe being 616 this goes all the way back to the kind of the original run of the comic books and they marvel universes are different dimensions if you want to call that i yeah. guess the universes is the best word yeah. so alternate realities type thing they're all designated by an uh, like a numerical sequence right and the 616 is generally the the main run where you have like the avengers being formed and captain america being dethawed in the you know, the whatever, the 70s, 60s, late early 60s and all that. And this main run is always assumed to be within that continuity. Yeah. And then you get divergent continuities, which take on different forms, something like the Ultimate Universe. I can't remember the number tag there, but it, it carries a different designation. Yeah. So the 616 is just kind of pre, I guess, whatever it was, Secret Wars. Yeah. It's a de- designation for the main continuity that Marvel Comics follows. So anything in there is, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's difficult to understand, but that's usually the, the ideas and the concepts of characters that you know, that's coming from the Earth 616 universe, yeah. if that makes any sense. I hope so. <laughs> now, The House of M, that was an interesting comic book run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just before we talk a little bit about it, we'll try not to spoil any of it because you haven't read much of it, but it is actually, so as events go, you usually have a main run of comic books and House of M has eight issues to it. And then from that, there'll be tie-in comic books that exist in the individual runs of particular characters. So yes, the Spider-Man books, the Spider-Man House of M tie-in books take place at the same time roughly 
as the House of M main continuity or main run of titles, but as slightly adjacent, focusing more on a Spider-Man-centric story set within that event. So what you need to do, if you really want to read House of M, I'd recommend in going and getting the eight-issue trade, I'm sure there is, mm -hmm. of the House of M main run of books. So that'll give you the base story of House of M, the event of House of M, and then the Spider-Man stuff that is adjacent to it will kind of supplement and add to that story, particularly to Spider-Man's story. I don't know about all the tie-ins, but I'm assuming there's an X-Men tie-in it, there's probably a Cap tie-in, all these different characters get individual tie-ins. So this takes, I guess in a sense, you can read the House of M first eight issues, get the gist of the event. If you want to grow and expand and see how it ripples through the Marvel 616 or whatever it is, then you need to get the tie-in books. The tie-in books do make things a little bit more expensive. Yeah. But if you have a character focus, it's probably good. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's basically it. I mean, to answer his question whether it's a separate universe, it's the same universe as 616. It's just yeah. been altered. So yeah. it's not like a different dimension elsewhere. Yeah. But um, that's the best way. I mean, with this run, you could probably do that, just what you said. You can read the first eight issues, and you can go off and read like Wolverines or Spider-Mans or yeah. I think even Fantastic Fours. But or Doctor Strange, but you can't necessarily do it with every run. There are some runs that you have to, it's hard to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to like read, like say, I'm not using this example. Well, I am using this example. Because <laughs> you have to do like Secret Empire 1 and then you'd have to do like Cap yeah. next. And then you go back to Secret Empire and then you go like somewhere else. They yeah. do happen sometimes out of sequence. Yeah, they're not isolated stories. Yeah. So the events in the main title will affect the tie-in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes if you go online and just type in House of M reading order, yeah, it will give you a reading order, and I can actually just send you a link of how to read this, how yeah. to how your Spider-Man issues fit in with the main title, what are the tie-ins, so that you can read this sequentially. Yeah. Um, I, I also find it depends on the writer, too. Some writers are really good at writing other characters outside of it. So say if you mm -hmm. have, um, I think it's Nick Spencer we mentioned. So Nick Spencer did Secret Empire, and he has this overlapping story going on with the Avengers and whatnot. But then you have someone like uh, Dan Slott that we just mentioned earlier. He will take Spider-Man and he will take him completely out of that story. So you don't have to mismatch him. He'll yeah. put him like Japan. And then Spider-Man has a storyline going over there. You might see one villain crossover from Secret Empire over to Japan with Spider-Man. But it keeps it kind of outside of it. So you're not really missing out too yeah. much. It's, uh, okay. it's kind of nice. So if you're just like an amazing Spider-Man person and you don't want to dive into Secret Empire doesn't really interfere with that storyline so cool something like the i think better writers out there will kind of maneuver around that and i really do appreciate them doing that mm -hmm. shout out to dan slot that's why I mentioned <laughs> yeah yeah so. yeah and i think awesome. your point too about the the universe it actually takes place and it's so it is the 616 like you said yeah but it's an it's an altered 616 not an alternate reality exactly so it's an altered reality not an alternate reality exactly if that makes sense yeah right yeah. so it's like a multiverse it's the yeah. same same world. it's just been altered because of the events within and the character that's focused around in Scarlet Witch. Exactly. And, and speaking of that, I'm uh, not spoiling anything at all, but I mean, if you're trying to figure out where to start reading this book, I just go after Avengers Disassembled. Yeah. Basically, like, right after that, and then jump into this book. Yeah, Avengers Disassembled issue number 500 of Avengers. Right, right. Yeah, and then you can kind of build that continuity there. Like, I would almost go, if, if you're really looking to get into some of this, 
Go and Google, and again, I can send you this, is the Bendis Avengers era reading order. Yeah, they have volumes. Like, even yeah. the chapters, you got, like, the volume one, volume two. They're thick, like, thick yeah. trades. But, man, you but, got everything in there. And you get, so this is when you get, like, from Avengers Disassembled, Avengers number 500, forward is, like you said, everything from House of M, Secret Invasion, Civil War, yeah. like, everything there. Um, there's the big... Fear itself. Fear itself, yes. Siege. Like, siege oh, is a huge one, man, too. so good. Yeah, <laughs> and that eventually caps off with... Uh, Avengers versus X-Men exactly. and Age of Ultron's kind of built into there as well. So that's like the Bendis era. And that goes from early 2000s right through to uh, the late or early 2011s, like, 12s. Yeah, like even like 15. There. Yeah. I mean, it, you could, you could, you could skip even Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> it and it came out at a late time where it didn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah. Probably just to coincide with the movie. No, no, no. Oh, really? Before. What happened was it was written. Yeah. So it was meant to fit in like a year earlier into continuity. But then it didn't. And they just put it out like a year later, uh, and so like costumes had changed, and yeah, like the story was changed. Yeah, it was yeah. so isolated, and yeah. there's like characters that you know didn't make sense to be there anymore. Yeah. Anyways, don't worry about <laughs> Age of Ultron. But guys, do we recommend he jump into the House of M? Oh, 100%. I'm just coming off of reading it recently. It's such a good book, man. The art holds up well. Bendis is a killer yeah. when it comes to writing it. And the storyline is fantastic. And just where they take these characters, it's it's so well done. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a must read in my opinion. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I haven't read it yet. But uh, I would suggest, um, I'm not sure where you're located, but check your local flea markets. I was able to pick up, I think there's eight issues in this. Yeah. I was able to pick up, I think, six of the issues for like a dollar. Wow. Yeah. yeah, like a dollar each. So, like, pretty good deal. So, um, just make sure you check there. You don't know, like, use bookstores. They may have it as well. Because it's kind of fun, too, like, go through the hunt. So, I do have the whole issues one through eight. So, I just have to sit down and read it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, and, and, oh, sorry. Just last one quick thing. Make sure you do pick up um, House of M, not House of M Secret Wars. Because there is that crossover yes. tie-in event, which is 2015. And, and they look very similar, kind of. So, yeah. that could be confusing. So, make sure it doesn't say Secret Wars on there. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree, too. Jump into this. And if you're really looking to get into, like, the, the bulk of what I would consider relatively good Avengers stories and where they're pulling a lot from in the films, it's that Bendis era. So Avengers Disassemble Ford, which does include House of M. If you like House of M, you like that event, I'd grab, you know, Civil War, yes. Secret Invasion is a really good one. has a ton of tie-ins. But reading the main books, which are usually six to eight issues long, you usually get away with that and then you can supplement going forward. But I, I definitely get into this and look at that Bendis reading order and see, you know, where else, where what's next for you to jump into. Because I have a feeling once you read House of M, you're going to be craving more things. Oh, yeah. You're going to want to jump into other things. Yes, like Hickman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, they, talking about House of M and Secret Wars and all this, you know, Marvel always does kind of hero versus hero. They always have that, that crossover, those them fighting, you know what I mean? But, like, DC doesn't really do that. Like, it'd be really cool um, if DC did a story similar to, like, Civil War or something, but you had, like, Batman and Superman and they're like dragging in superheroes. I guess they did something similar with like Injustice. Injustice. Yeah. I was just, you know, I was just saying it, but like something like that. And like DC always does like, um, like these crises, you know, everything's called crisis. Yeah. And, and uh, Marvel's always called war or something. Yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of funny that they always like keep to their silos, but there's no like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just think, you know, it'd be kind of cool if, they that. tried a little bit with like four of evil. That's that kind of neat. That was Remember cool. I like that. Yeah. Alexa there, and they had like the ultimate dimensions, of, like Ultraman. Yeah. And then they had like Owl Man, which oh, is like the yeah. evil versions of Batman and Superman. Right. Right. Super, Supergirl is like Wonder Woman. Yeah. 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 That's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. But so. yeah, no, I mean, I really like that with Marvel where they have like the hero versus hero, like the Civil War. Like Civil War is such a great story. 
I remember I read that, and you know, that's another one that you know if you haven't read that one yet, check out that one. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's yeah. great. It's it's condensed in one trade too. Yeah, and then the follow up stuff with Captain America. Oh, some oh yeah, great. just the state of the Marvel universe where they're yeah. at. Like Spider Man's in hiding, Captain America's in hiding because yeah. they're not registered heroes. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's incredible what they do. Yeah, there. it's fun. Yeah, there's a reason they adapted it so early in the MCU. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it got one film. It would have been cool to be more, but film we got i think was fantastic loved it. i agree it's appropriate adaptation for the time you know maybe you would have loved to have more heroes jammed into this thing yeah. but it did it justice i think and the comic book gets you even further yeah and it will highlight the importance of spider-man in the mcu as well definitely, definitely. Oh, it'll, yeah. it'll make you a cap fan for yeah. sure yeah definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what got me there one of the stories that got me there yeah was was civil war yeah it's amazing stuff anyways my dude thank you very much for writing in hopefully that that giant ramble gets you somewhere <laughs> if you got some more questions or maybe i'll try to send you a link or just tweet out a link about the bendis reading order that helps you kind of get to that next step of understanding the continuity of the 616 and what was done in that era of marvel comics which i still consider some of the best stuff that had been done in probably the last decade or so i see i, I yeah. feel like they aged well like going back to those runs very well hold up yeah. very well all right dudes Let's let's talk a little bit about Star Wars. Now we didn't we didn't talk a whole ton in the last couple of weeks about Star Wars because there has been a lot to talk about. You know, we all hate Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an audio file. <laughs> we all love Star Wars and fandom. You know, it's it's kind of in a shitty place right now. But we're going to plow forward with, with some of the very positive things in the universe because it is a universe we do absolutely love. <laughs> <laughs> love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Not me. <laughs> no, you won't find any of that hatred here. Here we're all about love. Yes. For Star Wars. <laughs> Anyways, oh, Star Wars, yeah. Rebels Season 4. Now that is a TV show, TV series that Troy and I have raved about for the last couple of years. We did a whole bunch of reviews. If you go back in our old feed, you can, or our current feed, just go back to older episodes. You can hear us breaking down all of Season 3, all of Season 4 of star wars rebels now this is the end this is the final season of rebels this kind of caps off that story that it began four years ago and the blu-ray is set to hit on july 31st so for those that have not seen this it's a high recommend from us to go grab this we're looking at special features on this as well so there's audio commentary by dave filoni the creator of both clone wars and star wars rebels the really the leader the guy behind a lot of this big content we've got from the animated perspective there's stuff and discussion about the composer kevin kiner oh. who did fantastic work this is something that we were always raving about in this series was how he was able to tie a brand new score into the original trilogy give you the feels there for what was going on especially when we had the debut of things like the x-wing and all that you felt like it was in star wars and the score in itself has a lot to do with that there's discussions about one called here the ghosts of legends so talking about the journey of the ghost crew so there's a lot of really cool supplemental material here for us to get through and being the final season i don't own any of the blu-rays but i think i might have to pick this up as long as i can get a digital version with it because i do absolutely love that series are you going to be running after these i will once i complete the clone wars i want to complete the uh, complete the clone wars uh blu-ray set i I just want those things to kind of come on a steelbook i doubt that i'll do it that'd be so cool you know it's animated but i'd love to get that first and then i'd make my way over to uh to rebels and for all you rebel heads out there if you haven't already caught up with us you can check us out yeah (laughs) sw rebels alert it's awesome over now but i mean if you ever want to you know uh watch an episode and then hear our thoughts on it i mean why not yeah there you go cool yeah yeah and now 
the 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 silver screen. You know, that's that's kind of what we're got right now for the for the small screen on TV until we get Star Wars Resistance. So again, we're kind of in a bit of a gap period here, both from television and a film perspective. But we're starting to hear rumors trickle out for Episode Nine. Now this comes out a year and a half from now. So we're going to be speculating for quite some time, but it looks like J.J. Abrams is going to start filming this within the next couple of months. And there's already rumors about certain characters from the original trilogy making an appearance in this film. Now, spoilers if you're trying to stay away from episode nine information for the time being. But we just saw this character in Solo a Star Wars Story, and now there's rumors that he's going to be showing up in episode nine. He's been completely absent from even any discussion in the previous two sequel films and that's Lando Calrissian and that's B- Billy D. Williams so there's rumors swirling right now that he is going to appear in episode nine and this kind of com- came to a head here when he did cancel his appearance at Saskatchewan Entertainment Expo that is September 15th through 16th because of a conflict with film schedule now as far as I know he's not doing a whole ton on filming it well, could be up- reading Rainbow Reboot Oh, that's love that theme song. Now it's being highly speculated that this aligns quite well with J.J. Abrams' start of production on the on episode nine. And I got to know you guys' thoughts here. What are you you thinking about Lando appearing in episode nine? Is this something that you want? Is this something you think we need, or do you think this is just kind of a rumor mill swirling around looking for something to latch onto because we don't have much <laughs> in as far as episode nine discussion points? Uh, yeah, it'd be really cool. I mean, he's one of the few original trilogy characters left out there that hasn't made an appearance in the new trilogy and is still alive as far as we know and kicking in the universe. So anything that connects back to the original trilogy, I'm all for it. And Billy D, he was awesome as Lando. Yeah. So you know, let's let's bring him back and. I don't know. Like, I don't really know how he would fit into the story. Maybe it would be more like a cameo role. I don't imagine it would be like a main role. Like, kind of like... it'd be. I think it would be less than Harrison Ford had in The Force Awakens. But maybe he's going to have a major role. It would be cool to see. I mean, Billy D. who doesn't? He's the coolest guy in the galaxy. Yes, he is. <laughs> Smooth and suave. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, story? I think you absolutely have to bring this guy back. Everybody's been asking for it since, uh, you know, episode 7. Uh, his huge return, obviously, what Donald Glover did with him in Solo was great. That's what everybody talks about. One of the things everybody talks about. It just makes a lot of sense for this character to come back, especially because we don't have anybody left in the main trilogy to appear other than Chewbacca yeah. and the droids. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. So it just makes sense to see Lando show up because I'm guessing we're going to have a time period that's gone on since episode yeah. eight. It just makes sense that he's already there. He's already established and he's... Not necessarily calling the shots, but he's there helping out and he's already has a place in the resistance. So it makes a lot of sense to bring this character in. I mean, everybody loves Billy D. Everybody. Yeah, he, right? he, he kills it. So I got to see this guy show up at least for episode nine because yeah. this is probably it. For yeah, him, right? I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that given the state of the resistance at the end of The Last Jedi, calling in the reinforcements, the old rebellion general in Lando yes. Calrissian, a mainstay in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, part of the destruction of The, the Last death star so i agree he needs to be a character in this it seems like he's that that anomaly that one person that question mark like why hasn't he been a part of this yeah he may be part of the crew that leia called that never responded as far as when the resistance was on their last legs and there's a lot of rumors going around about how they're going to treat leia's story in this and a lot of suggestions especially from the guys over at telling saber and that are talking about her death being in the crawl or it opening to a funeral of leia 
So it only makes sense that Lando Calrissian does show up yes. to that mm-hmm. and then becomes part of a, a bigger part of the film in itself in some maybe leadership capacity or large cameo. I don't think they're just going to have him show up and then disappear. Right. I think you have at least some sort of arc in the film, whether it be minor or not, just because you're going to need some of that guidance, right? And I don't know if he's the right guy to turn to. I know he was a rebellion general, but I don't know if he's the right guy to turn to to, say, take the reins of the story that maybe Leia would have had. Right. But he needs to have a piece in this film to kind of close out his arc. Yeah. You know, because we need some closure on those characters because we just saw him at the end of return of the jedi we've gotten some insight as to what he was doing in the aftermath books as well i believe that lando one of the books last shot or something like that right. there was a story so he has some relationship to kylo ren to, to ben solo as well called him uncle lando cool. so they need to develop maybe a little bit of that as well right because he does have a relationship or a bigger relationship to that family so as we're closing out this skywalker solo arc it might be an appropriate character to bring in. So I think these all seem pretty legit to yep. me. Mm-hmm. These rumors going around, his inclusion in the story, maybe having a bigger part as well. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I want to see more Lando. I want to see what Billy D can do with this character to kind of close out the overall arc of it. Because he seems like a very viable character too for some sort of worthy sacrifice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You know? So yeah, very exciting stuff. And, you know, as far as Star Wars goes in general, that that's kind of it you know it's gonna be a tough go here i think moving forward as far as star wars content but luckily enough we have a lot of marvel and dc content to lean on going forward as well and that's where we're gonna skip over to this week's marvel news so we're gonna talk about ant-man and the wasp here but before we get to that grabs has got another fantastic question which does center around the Marvel Cin- or the Marvel Universe itself, the Marvel comic book universe. All right, Troy, you got the theme song this week? <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. No. No. Tim? No, I'm good. <sighs> what do you got? All right, I got, this, is, this is off the top of my head. You know, Grabs, you bring up my creativity. G to the R to the A to the B to the S. He's going to grab you. No, wait, that, that's uh, not where I want to go. I'm very proud of you for stopping that. <laughs> I'm say somewhat saves me an edit. I feel like we're moving towards some sort of. Uh, we're going to be canceled. Yeah, maybe, maybe bleeping out almost there. We're, we're going to leave it that. again. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funniest part about your statement there when you said, I'm doing this off the top of the, my head is it assumes that you prepare the theme songs <laughs> in all the previous episodes. I wish I could. You know, yeah, I did before. I would go home, you know, and I'd write them down, but then, like, I'd throw them out because, you know, like, in 8 Mile, I was just, like, writing the lyrics. I'd be at work and just be like, yo, grabs, grabs, he's going to grab, do, do, do. And, you know, I'd just, like, rap battling all my coworkers. I love how you compare yourself to one of the best lyricists of all time. He compared himself to me, Okay. Okay, here's Grab's question for this week. The subject being, we've all got problems. And yes, apparently, so does Sanjay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very evident and clear here. Tim, Troy, and Sanjay. I was reading Marvel, The Characters and Their Universe, which is a book, last week. And I came across uh, this about Spider-Man. He has come to symbolize Marvel comics and for good reasons. More than any other character, he represents Marvel's unique approach to creating heroes with real-world problems. My question to you three this week are, 
What are some of the real world problems superheroes have? What character flaws or problems do you find most entertaining and make the character more relatable? What story arc features these problems? Lastly, which hero characteristics that you find or do you find unflattering or annoying? Thanks in advance, Grabs. So can you repeat that? I was coming up with like a new theme song in my head. So we'll break this question down <laughs> in a bit more detail here. Well, don't first... you want to hear what I came up with? Do I have to edit it? <laughs> Maybe you can edit this one over this one. Cause this one's like the family friendly one. Okay. All right, Troy, lay down a beat for me. That's all right. I'm going to pass on this one too. <laughs> do it acapella styles, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, I can't do it. You know, maybe next week. Okay, grabs. And I'm going to come okay. up with a theme song for Here's you. Here's the challenge to you. This. Here's right. your homework. <laughs> is go home. Yeah. And we're not going to have grabs question next week because we're doing Ant-Man the Wasp review. But. Well, actually, yeah. Okay. Go home. You have two weeks to write a theme song. Okay, I got this. And yeah. you got two weeks to come up with the background music. <laughs> And, and Tim, Tim is on for the music video. I do all the editing yeah, the and all sound that. Editing, the yeah, and all yeah, that he's stuff. the sound mixer. He's got the mixing board in the background, and uh, you, you well, do your thing. You do you. <laughs> Can upload it to YouTube. Perfect. <laughs> all right. So first off, here, grabs. Thank you very much for another excellent question. I'm sure we're about to go down a giant tangent, but hopefully, <laughs> there's a little bit of laugh here and there within that tangent <laughs> now it's, it's a very cool quote that he's pulled out of this book marvel the characters and their universe and the fact that spider-man being that relatable character has always been an important pivot point within marvel comics in the sense that you can look at this character you can relate to him directly and i find me personally not flow shade at dc that's why i have such a hard time with superman so i have such a hard time at times with batman i find them relatively unrelatable because i can't it's not even that like I find myself more relatable to Captain America because I can see myself in his shoes, but they feel like more human characters to me as opposed to those. And I think Spider-Man really takes the cake for that one. Is And that has to be part of the reason, Troy, why oh, yeah. you're so invested in Spider-Man is oh, yeah. some of that, that relatability of the character. Hands down, you know, even Spider-Man going back from when he's a 15, 16-year-old kid being bit with a spider to then later on getting a job and having that responsibility and then, you know, going through school, going through college, uh, providing for a family, all those things you can even grow with Spider-Man. So all those elements of the character I absolutely love and, uh, and cherish, basically. So that's why I've always, yeah, kind of leaned yeah. more towards Spider-Man than anybody else. I I love Batman. I love Nightwing and Superman, yeah. but he can't really relate to them. I don't got billions in the bank. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. yeah. you know, it's funny that you bring that up because, like, for me, maybe this is why I gravitate more to DC. But like, when I'm reading a story, you know, say like a Batman story, I, I want to read the story where he's like, okay, I got to take down the Joker and I got to take down the Riddler or like Mister Freeze or whatever, and it's like them him battling the villain. Like, you know, the Bruce Wayne stuff is like all right, but I I don't read batman for bruce wayne yeah you know what i mean whereas like with spider-man you know you get peter parker he's just as important well bruce wayne is just as important as batman but you know what i mean right. like he's got like more like problems that you know you and i may have right yeah you know so let's talk about those real world problems because the first part of his question here is what are some of the real world problems that superheroes have now going into spider-man i think it was captured beautifully in spider-man homecoming yes. is that battle between living your life and living a superhero life and you see this with Iron Man with everyone is is are they separate characters? Like you talked about Peter Parker and the importance of Peter Parker and Spider Man, the importance of Tony Stark and Iron Man, Batman, Batman, Bruce Wayne. So 
at times you need to separate those characters out because I think that struggle that they would have, and like I said, in Homecoming, you see this, is how do you live both lives? Right. Tom Holland struggles with this. He's at prom. He's got to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's on mm-hmm. a field trip and he has to leave. Exactly. Yeah. So he's got to find a way to do the right thing, right? The greater good while sacrificing their own lives. And I find that very interesting. You look at Spider or Tony Stark's arc in a lot of the comic books and even in the films is at times he really struggles with who he is as a character. Is he Iron Man? Is he Tony Stark? Is he some amalgamation of both? So I think you see that struggle and that's probably the biggest struggle outside of, you know, family life and all that is the identity of who you are. Are you Iron Man? Are you Tony Stark? So I think that to me is one of the big real world problems that they have is trying to maintain that lifestyle. Even like you look at the Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne, you know, going mm-hmm. out at night, getting the crap kicked out of him, and then showing up at board meetings and falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's maintaining that dual life. Yes. Yeah. And not sacrificing, or I guess maybe sacrificing everything that makes you you outside of this superhero, outside of the mask, to do the right thing, to save people, to put an end to kind of the scum and villainy of the universe. Right. Yeah. So when, to me, that's the big one of the biggest problems. When you're reading, and you know, you talked about them always doing the right thing. Do you ever want them to be a little bit selfish sometimes and be like, you know what? Spider-Man's like at the dance and, you know, things are going well and he's having a good time. And then he gets like an alarm like, oh, Dr. Octopus is robbing the bank. Sometimes don't you just want him to be like, ah, you know, this time I'm going to sit this one out. You know, someone else can handle it. <laughs> Cap's there. You know, one of my buddies will do it. I'm just going to have a good time. I don't know about Spider-Man if that ever works because that's what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man in the first place. Like he did that once and it cost him everything. That's yeah. true, yeah. Uncle ben. So for that, he'll never go down that route. I don't. I can't speak for any other superheroes, but I think if a writer did that with Spider-Man, then they're not writing <laughs> Spider-Man probably. <laughs> but like, what are the chances it would happen twice? You know, take a chance. Live your life. Well, I mean, for instance, I mean, I'm not talking necessarily comics, but you can go Amazing Spider-Man the movie, right? Yeah. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 the movie where it's like, he was kind of responsible for Captain Stacy's death. His Captain Stacy's dying wishes were staying with my daughter, <laughs> Peter Parker. And yeah. Peter Parker goes back on what he did with Uncle Ben, basically, he doesn't listen. Yeah. And ends up dating Stacy and then she dies, right? So Yeah. Lightning strikes twice, I guess, in Peter Parker's world. <laughs> I guess he just got the world's worst luck. <laughs> yeah, that Peter Parker luck. That's what they call it. Parker luck. So, oh yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Now what about some character flaws with regards to conflicting ideals? So you look at a character like Black Panther. So he's meant to be this altruistic man, but he's also an end hero, but he's also the king of Wakanda. So he struggles with the ideas of what's best for Wakanda and what's best for the world. We see that conflict in the film and you see that conflict throughout the comic books. Is he a king first? Is he Black Panther first? Black Panther, the protector of Wakanda, or is he Black Panther... The Avenger. The Avenger. Right. Right. And so that's the struggle point that I feel we're going to see going forward yes. in further Black Panther films and even in the comics right now is is where does he lie in this? Where do his allegiances lie? And you saw this with Infinity War as well, is that he started to open the gates to Wakanda and it led to the invasion of Thanos. Right. So it's struggling. Like he did the right thing there, but it costs a lot of Wakandan lives. Yes. So we did the Black Panther, the Avenger thing, but not Black Panther, the Wakandan protector. Exactly. So it's a very interesting conflict you do see within the Black Panther series is that, you know, is he a king or... Or is he Black Panther the Avenger? I really like that one. I think they're going to play it well here in the films going forward. Oh, I love that. They have to. Yeah. I think so. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then yeah. you get the same with Thor. You know, is he the, the king or the rightful heir to the throne of Asgard? Or is he protector of Earth? Right. He made his decision 
in Thor the Dark World, and then you saw him reverse that in Thor Ragnarok and right. become the Asgardian man, the protector, maybe one of the last Asgardians. Right. Well, well like that kind of stuff, like that responsibility, that's why I love, again, going back to uh, Jonathan Hickman, his Fantastic Four run taking place after uh, Civil War. You basically have Reed Richards, who's like, you know, the, the world's smartest man basically. And he has this other dimension where there's like a whole bunch of other Reed Richards yeah. and they're all working around the clock to like save the world. They want to save and fix everything. And Reed is basically meant to join them and do the same thing and help them out. But in order for him to do so, he'd have to leave his family, which yeah. is just something he will not do. So there's like that responsibility line. What do you do? Do you stay with your family, become the family man that you should be? Or do you try and save the world and fix everything? Like mm. that kind of stuff. I don't want to say just Marvel does, but man, I guess it's Hickman because you can put him anywhere and he'll yeah. do this kind of work. That kind of stuff, though, I'm really drawn towards. Just yeah. love that kind of stuff. And as parents, I think that I find that much more relatable. Exactly. Because it's, you know, do you do your thing or mm-hmm. do you do the family thing? And I know family life, you shouldn't ask you to make a lot of sacrifices, but you, your life does dramatically change with wife, with children and yeah. all that. And you find yourself asking and making these decisions, whereas, you know, I have to do the best thing for my family. Now, whether it's taking a slightly different job, moving somewhere, doing something different, I think that to me is where you get some relatability within these decisions. Yes, we're not making decisions based off heroes, but we're doing, you know, your family life versus what you could consider somewhat more personal life, being selfish Exactly. if you will mm-hmm. and making those decisions and i find I, I can pull a lot from the comic books when i actually sit and actually think about it yeah yeah definitely um do you guys have any more no no i'm all out um so t- you know talking about conflicting ideologies immediately what comes to mind is watchmen to me like this is like the creme de la crema you know this was named one of time's 500 greatest english novels of all time like this thing is perfect it's beautiful it's this amazing book and film and talking about conflicting ideologies i'm thinking of Adrian Veidt. I always don't know how to pronounce his name. Veidt or Veidt? V-E-I-D-T. I don't know. But Adrian, you know, he uh, he's thinking about, okay, killing. He plants this, like, fake bomb or this fake octopus, depending which interpretation you're reading. Not movie fake. Movie or the comic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that kills millions of people in New York and Moscow. But he does it because, you know, he's saving the planet. He's saying killing millions to save billions. And it's that, like, um, you know, that's a moral quandary. You know, do you, you know, do does the greater good, the greater good. And then, you know, another thing is the comedian. He's seen as his hero by the common people. He works for the U.S. government. You know, he's in the army and he's saving people's lives. But he is a despicable human being. Like, he is awful. Like, you know, he's done some awful things. But, like, he's, it's like this conflicting ideology. Is he still a hero? But is he not a hero? Like, where's the line? It's it's such a fascinating read. And every time I read it or watch it, I pick up different storylines from it. And, you know, um, just so many things that you can go on with, with everything on there. It's just, uh, I just can't say enough good things about Watchmen. I yeah. mean, who watches the Watchmen? I watch the Watchmen film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. And that really, I think we've kind of covered a bit here of Grab's second part of this question is what character flaws or problems do you find the most entertaining and make the character more relatable? So that, that comes down to this, even this family discussion, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, making these bigger choices, the greater good choices. And his last or second to last question here is what story arc features some of these problems? Now, another one I'm going to bring to the table here is one that I've always really liked, but it's kind of, kind of weird, kind of funny is that Thanos' arc in Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. okay. So if you remember from that, you know, Thanos, is this, he's basically this this god, right? He the has titan. the power of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. 
but he his biggest downfall, biggest flaw, his fatal flaw is his lack of confidence in himself, not thinking that he actually deserves this. And so I find that interesting and oddly relatable. And I've had a few discussions with some of my friends recently when it, with regards to working out and doing certain aspects and trying to have or shift your lifestyle and this ability to grasp this idea of what is good enough for yourself. And I, I sometimes think back to this this Thanos arc in Infinity Gauntlet about like the reason it doesn't work is because he stops believing in himself more or less. Mm-hmm. Now he's a crazy killer and all this murderer, so it's <laughs> that aspect is really hard to relate to. <laughs> but this idea of always wanting more, mm-hmm. you know, you never getting to a satisfactory end yeah. in something that you're doing. You have a goal, you get to a weight loss goal, whatever, but you find yourself. I think it's an internal flaw in everyone is that you get there and you're like, okay, what's next? You're never satisfied with yourself, with what you've accomplished. Thanos is like that in Infinity Gauntlet. That may be something they bring in to Avengers number four. He's he's satisfied. His ultimate objective of balancing the universe, is that enough for Thanos Mm -hmm. in the films? Is this where we get his fatal character flaw rolling back some of the big deaths or some of the consequences of Avengers Infinity War. So I'm going to be interested to see where they take that. But it's a, it's kind of a weird thing for a character that is all-powerful that has this really weird fatal flaw that I think a lot of people have. Yeah. yeah. And so I find yeah. that that's somewhat quite relatable, and that's an interesting arc that you do see that in, because it's, it's kind of unexpected. You have to read it a few times, I think, to really pull that out. It sounds like Scarface to me. Yeah. You know, like that fatal flaw, like when is enough? You know, Tony Montana comes to America and he's, you know, he wants like a good life and a good job and he, or not a good job, but he wants a good life and he wants the money and the girls and he gets it and he gets it and he gets it. He wants more, 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 more. He never stops until he's dead. So yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Like Thanos and Tony Montana, that'd be a hell of a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Very evil guys. Yeah. (laughs) All right. His last part of this question here is which hero displays characteristics that you find unflattering or annoying? Oh, okay. Which hero? And it's got to be a hero. It can't be a villain. Yeah. I think so. For for me, I'm going to go back to kind of the overall essence of the question and the relatability. So I don't find any of these characteristics of Superman unflattering or annoying, but I find it on a relatability and the characteristics of this character is, and this is why I think I liked Man of Steel a lot more because... Mm -hmm. They made him feel a bit more grounded. They made right. him feel like someone that you could have a like a relationship with. He had people he loved, but I think going into subsequent films, mm-hmm. and maybe they, maybe they get into this a lot in the comic books. I find them almost separating that out a little bit. They missed an opportunity in Justice League to make him feel extremely humanized based off a relationship with Lois Lane. They kind of did that, but mm-hmm. really quickly and didn't allow that to develop too much. So. I find that the characteristics of Superman being this all-powerful god and being all-powered, I find that a characteristic that it's hard for me to relate to. Yeah. And even in film, it's, it's what do you do next with the Man of Steel? The guy that can punch anything into space. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So that's have, always been the trouble with Superman, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the that. trouble of making him relatable on film as well. Right. Is that you, you don't have a believable villain outside of maybe Zod, Brainiac, the style of, of villains to make him feel like he's being challenged. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why maybe some of the, the flaws of Batman versus Superman was, was in that. 
is that building there that... were no flaws in batman v superman <laughs> well it's it's, it's, it's fine but <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding it's it's one of those things that i've always struggled with internally with man of steel like yeah. that's why i like the, the man of steel film because you know they gave him some sort of backstory that made him personally relatable and they gave him a villain that had stakes in that relationship or his past at least mm-hmm. and was an equal or someone that could battle him yeah, I mean, I will say, like, the one thing that I really relate to Superman, because I'm a huge Superman fan, is the fact that, you know, he's the ultimate American story. He's the American immigrant. So, like, yeah, he can punch anything into space, but he has that, like, lost belonging. He left his world. He came here. And you see that a lot more with Clark Kent. Like, he's lonely. He knows he's going to live forever, pretty much, and everyone that he loves is going to die one time, mm-hmm. you know, before he's dead. So it's that, like, sadness, that loneliness of, like, leaving your homeland and coming to America and starting a new life. Interesting. So that's kind of, like, when, like, a lot of people, like, always say that. Like, that's kind of, like, my rebuttal. It's, like, if you, like, think about it, like, that way, especially given the circumstances around the world in the 1930s when he was created. I think it was in the 1930s when he was created. Uh, two Jewish immigrants from New York well, one, one's from Toronto and right. one from, I think, New York, created this character. So you can see, you know, the intent and the reason why he was created. So, you know, I I, I always I always go back to that. Just It's the ultimate American story. I do like that. It's yeah. something that I haven't ever given much thought to. I guess I'm a bit more on the the periphery of Superman as well as using kind of the, the character that's been put out there and less of the backstory on, on his creation. Interesting. Okay, I like that, man. I like yeah. that. I like that. Anything, Troy? Anything unflattering? Any <laughs> superhero trait that bothers you a little bit? It's it's tough for me to find one. The only thing I could kind of think of for a second, um, going Star Wars, yeah, is yeah. early on in the Clone Wars, and it's funny because I, I love this character now, like one of my all time favorite characters in Star Wars. But going back to her first introduction in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka, aka Snips, she is horrible. She's <laughs> she she was like. Kind of made me take a break from Star Wars for yeah. a minute. Going off the Clone Wars movie, it was it was pretty bad. Um, she's just she was unrelatable. She was extremely annoying. She had like no belonging in the Star Wars universe, let alone that movie. It was just really bad what they did with that character. It's incredible to see how far they've gone with her and how they've evolved her and made her into like one of the all time best yes. Star Wars characters of all time. Like mm-hmm. she's incredible now. But I remember as like watching that, and I was just like, and I brought my wife to this movie to really try and convince her to get into Star Wars, and that was the one. And we both walked away from Star Wars for quite a while. From that, from that one. So if I could go anywhere and nitpick that I find unflattering, it'd probably be Ahsoka. Yeah, at like that it. time, I don't disagree with you. She yeah. turned me off the of Clone Wars really initially. <laughs> right. I was kind of like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, man. I don't really like it. But yeah, I, I love her in Rebels, and right. towards the end of the toward the end of the Clone her Wars, her book too. Ahsoka oh, was- yeah. Awesome. awesome yeah awesome yeah all right well that wraps oh. up oh you got another one uh yeah i was gonna say um like the one area is like i hate i'm gonna go like more villains i guess on this one um i'm cheating i'm sorry grabs please forgive me but uh i re- well, even this applies to heroes too I, no one is specifically but i really hate when um you know you have characters heroes or villains and they just constantly just don't take anything seriously you know, like they'll like. Are they thr- monologue? Oh my goodness, monologuing! Like they'll go on forever, or like they'll say like like they're supposed to be like a serious scene, 
And then they'll, like, throw a joke out there. And, like, to me, it always, like, takes me out of the movie. I'm like, no one would really be joking in this situation when, like, the world's in trouble and someone just, like, cracks a joke. Like, a one-liner or something so like that. does Deadpool bother you at all? Or Deadpool, you see past Deadpool? Deadpool, actually, I'm okay with because I guess that's, like, his whole shtick. And right. it's supposed to be, like, poking fun and, like, breaking the fourth wall. Right. So him I really dig. But, like, I guess, like, the one example, and I haven't seen this movie in a while, but Age of Ultron would be Ultron. Yes. Just, just like, he keeps on quipping and oh. stuff. And I'm like... Like, Tony Stark, I get it, because that's, like, kind of his personality, and he's kind of, like, always been like that. But Ultron, like, from what I, my lim- very limited knowledge of Ultron, is he's supposed to be, like, this menacing robot that has, like, no heart that wants to, like, take over the world and, like, kill all humans, if you will. But, like, he's just, like, making jokes about cracking eggs to make an omelet and stuff like that. And I'm like, they're, like, people are dying around him, and yeah. those are the jokes. And I was like, man, like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just, like, being an old curmudgeon. No, I'm right there with you. There's yeah. um, a very missed opportunity when it came to Ultron. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could have been so much better. So much better. And, like, they they have, like... Like, Loki works. Because I guess, like, his jokes aren't, like, one-liners. But they're more, like, haha like, situations. And, like, Thanos. Like, they killed it with Thanos. And, like, he had some good lines in there, too. But, like... Yeah, he wasn't, like, jokes all the time. When they use the villain to provide exposition for the scene... To, mm-hmm. to, to make you understand motivations... <clears throat> That's when it gets difficult. And I'll try yeah. to get a lot of that. It was like, why are you doing this? I need this vibranium to do this, to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they, they used him for exposition more often than not. Yeah. Potentially. I haven't seen that movie in, in quite some time, but I have to go back. And we are going to go back and revisit that as we kind of <laughs> shift here our focus over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Ant-Man and the Wasp. One thing that I wanted to talk about at the top here was our MCU retrospective. We still have three episodes to get through. So we didn't exactly meet our goal of getting into and finishing that before Avengers Infinity War. But one thing that I, I we were talking about that we had thought about is that we do have this big break coming off the back end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we're going to use some of that time to fill in our film review schedule with MCU films, those last three films, which does include a review of Ant-Man. So you're going to be seeing those coming out a little bit later on because we've done quite a few movie reviews. We don't like to overwhelm the feed with movie reviews and all that and give people some time to see some of these particular with Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out and some of the stuff we're going to see in December and all that. So those film reviews will be coming as will our look back at the Dark Knight trilogy, which was something that was voted on quite some time ago. But we will work that all into our schedule here because the next couple of weeks are going to be quite busy for all of us with vacation and all this. So we're going to try to make sure the feed stays hot, but they're not going to be with the film reviews in that, particularly because we want to give them a little bit of time, a little bit of breathing room because we've done a lot of film reviews in the last couple of months. But our next one coming up here is Ant-Man and the Wasp. And like before every single mcu film we like to drop somewhat of a prelude episode giving you some insight into the characters and some our thoughts on what this film could be now this is gonna be completely spoiler free like you troy and like you sanjay we've all kind of stayed on the periphery of this one i've been Mm -hmm. dove too deep into this i've watched the trailers none of the tv spots i haven't gone really hunting for much information here i'm looking and going in with that same expectation as you troy is that i think this is going to be a fine movie i'm looking to be somewhat blown away by what they do in this and i think by what we've heard, we may be getting that as far as just how they deliver the film, how they capture the essence of Batman, but also make sure it feels firmly instilled within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But before we get into that, I got to hear you guys' high-level thoughts on Ant-Man. Ant-Man 1? Ant-Man 1, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Ant-Man 1, I was blown away, actually, by, by yeah. that one. I went in there not expecting much. 
and I was laughing a lot. I'm a big Paul Rudd fan. I think he's great. I think he doesn't age a day. No. Um, <laughs> but he's he's fantastic, man. He's, he's great. I love the cast that they brought together. Um, T.I. makes an appearance in yeah. there, too, which is oh, pretty yeah. cool. His, his crew there, yeah. Which yeah. we're going to be seeing in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes, yes. So I'm excited for that. I didn't mind Yellow Jacket. He wasn't great. He wasn't horrible. I really love the the, the de-aging effect they brought to another level yeah. once mm-hmm. again. Thank and, um, yeah, and I, I really love that lore, this mystery or, or history of the original Ant-Man. Like, I, I love that kind of stuff. Hoping maybe somehow they can tie in the Fantastic Four with that. Who knows? Oh. But um, overall, I really did like that film. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I think if you go back to, like, episode two or three, we did, like, our top uh, comic book movies of 2015. And that actually topped it, the list for me, Ant-Man. So um, I had really like I had really low expectations going in, and as Troy said, it blew me away. Uh, I love that movie. I think it was great. The villain was aight, but uh, everything <laughs> everything else just worked so well. And Paul Rudd, you know, introducing to the character, um, and yeah, it, it was a really good movie. I, you know, it's it's up there for me for probably like one of my favorite MCU films. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys there. I had a ton of fun in this. What they did with this the CGI and the shrinking technology and all that, which looks like they're gonna step up again in this this film forthcoming. I really liked it. Paul Rudd, I, I was a bit I was a bit I guess my expectations were there's gonna be Hank Pym right. in the role originally and not mm-hmm. using Scott Lang. That seemed like a weird pivot for me when they first announced all this was happening. And I was like, oh, I don't really like that because that must that means we're not gonna get you know, Janet Van Dyne and the original Wasp, the original Hank Pym, any of those stories. I was a little dis- disappointed on that end. But after seeing Ant-Man, to me, in my head, Hank Pym's, yeah, Ant-Man, but he's he's the old Ant-Man. Yes. Scott Lang is where it's at. And they've really used that in the comic books recently, too. Like, Scott Lang has yeah. been the focal point where Hank Pym has been kind of off on the sidelines of all of this. And, you know, Janet Van Dyne's been back a little bit. Yep. You know, she had some issues and with her arc in, I believe it was Secret Invasion, which looks like they're touching on that a little bit in here right. with regards to her being lost in the microverse. Right. So, yeah, I absolutely love the film. The supporting cast was great. T.I., uh, Michael Pena is yes. fantastic in this as well. It looks like uh, Michael Douglas, yeah, he was he was really good too as, as old Hank Pym. Yep. So that was kind of going in. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to buy into this. Fully bought into it. Love the character. The the tease at the end with the wasp mm-hmm. and Evangeline Lily taking on that role. Yeah. She was good in Ant Man. She looks like she's gonna be a badass in Ant Man and the Wasp. Might steal the oh, show, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that, that's kind of what we're hearing is that she is really the character they're putting to the forefront here. So hopefully we get to see her even maybe get her own spin off film. Oh yeah. Later on, you know, or just A Force. Yeah. Like how cool would it be if A Force would yeah. be awesome? Yeah. How cool would it be to have it kind of a pseudo trilogy in Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, and the Wasp? Oh yeah. Like, like book oh, framing. Oh, that'd be wicked. That'd be cool. Man. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Oof. like where. The wasp takes center stage and Ant-Man comes in at some point to help her or something like that. Like yeah. she gets her own spin-off film. So the trilogy is, you know, singles on either side and then the team up in the middle. That's cool. That'd, That'd be, be cool. kind of cool. Yeah. That's I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now speaking of Marvel and the MCU's timeline, this is gonna be the first prequel film, if we can call that, or out of sequence film, maybe is a better way to put it, since the first Avenger, really. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was out of sequence as well, but because that is somewhat dislocated from what I'll call the main Avengers storyline, okay. that didn't seem to factor too much into things until they came into Infinity War and the growth of Groot and all that. And that's kind of how that was represented, that time gap, right? Right. So this is taking place outside of this normalized sequential storytelling that Marvel does. Now, if you look at their marketing, they've made that very, very apparent. 
that Ant-Man and the Wasp were not present in Avengers Infinity War. And what they're dealing with initially at the onset of the film is the consequences of Captain America's Civil War. So that was really the last time we saw Scott Lang was being arrested, put into the raft, and then subsequently broken out by Captain America. There's a drop line in Infinity War that Clint Barton and Scott Lang both took plea deals and ended up under house arrest. Mm -hmm. So... When we're going into this film and when everyone's going to the film, the expectation is that the events of Avengers Infinity War will not be resolved or really touched on. I think once we get to a bit of discussion on the end credit scene, we'll see a reference to that or at least like the timing of the film will catch up to that. But as far as timeline goes, this takes place after Captain America Civil War and before Avengers Infinity War. So an interesting little little... I guess, step back in the timeline and a, a little bit of a subversion away from the sequential storytelling. Do you guys think it's a good idea for them to be doing that with this film or should this have come out in some other order? Should this have come out before Infinity War? I think this makes a lot of sense because obviously you couldn't have made it after Infinity War. No. And I think if you put it out before Infinity War, it would have got lost. I mean, like you couldn't really put it out before or around spider-man or thor or black yeah. panther would have been lost i think this is perfect because then finney war gives it that little bit of a boost mm -hmm. at the same time especially with them dropping the name of uh of, of scott lang yeah. and mm -hmm. whatnot too right and then uh yeah i, I, th I think it makes sense actually yeah. i guess we'll see yeah yeah. Friday, but, yeah yeah i think from a business sense it totally makes sense but in terms of like my watching order I have to see it, but you know, I may actually move this ahead of Infinity War and watch this first before Infinity War. Yeah, I guess nothing really stops you there when you're doing uh, like a home viewing or anything like that. The interesting thing about this, and the thing I, I kind of like about this release, yes, I agree from a business perspective. Probably your best move. You couldn't say swap Ant Man and the Wasp to Infinity War and release dates. Oh. You don't want Infinity War buried in July. <laughs> And, you know, that, that May slot, that coveted slot, can't go to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Just because of the size of the property, not necessarily the quality of it. But the interesting thing about this is I find they're using this as a bit of a pseudo follow-up as well as a prelude to Infinity War in the sense that it seems like they're going to expand on this idea of the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is known as the microverse in the comic books. And Hank Pym, Scott Lang, and all that are somewhat familiar with, with the microverse, or very familiar with the microverse, I should say. Now, what it is, and this is, it's, I don't know how they're going to explain it in the film, but it's essentially an alternate dimension accessible through the sling rings, so Doctor Strange, right, as well as the pin particle, so shrinking yourself. And this is somewhere where space and time are believed to be somewhat irrelevant. So you could actually be going from place to place. I don't know how they're going to do this, if this is a way to get around time travel right. and that it's not something that's, say, overly accessible. It's not like you're going to have Iron Man with a thing on it. You know what I mean? Right. It might be that they're going in and out of the quantum realm. So it escapes away from really screwing around with the timeline mm -hmm. and allows you to pop in and out of things, maybe influence. So I don't know how they're going to do this, but the quantum realm seems to be a focal point of this film. I think we're going to see a lot of that in relation to Janet Van Dyne and her return, as well as how this could have consequences for Infinity War. So if this was to come out before Infinity War, you may have this overall perception that, okay, they're going to use this to fix this. The same way people are saying, oh, the time zone can just reverse everything. Right. Mm. Don't think they're going with that. This may bring, or at least shed some light on how we're going to get some resolution within Infinity War. 
but without giving it away before Infinity before. War, if you know what I mean. So this may have better connection to Infinity War and, say, Captain Marvel than it does Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, if you see what I mean. Right, mm-hmm. especially when you see the um, set photos of Avengers yes. 4, we see Scott Lang. He's very exactly. present there with Tony Stark. Yeah. <clears throat> so it looks like that's going to be kind of a, a, an interesting plot point. And I have heard that there is a lot of reference to the idea of the quantum realm. So be prepared to hear that. And kind of consume that in a way that it means something bigger would be my prediction. I'm not saying that that's that's for sure. I'm seeing a film or anything like that. But that's going to be something that I say as as a viewer to pay a little bit more attention to in the film because I think it's something that maybe even Captain Marvel is going to reference. Maybe Doctor Strange later on. Maybe the Negative Zone. Maybe the Negative Zone. Who knows? Fantastic Four. There's a lot of big things to go there, (laughs) and I think that's fantastic. But uh, there you go, pun, right? <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the characters. Now, we've spoken about Scott Lang at Man, Hope Van Dyne, who's the Wasp as well, and Hank Pym. They seem to be kind of your main characters, if we can call them that. But some of the new characters going to be introduced in this film also are Michelle Pfeiffer's Jen Van Dyne. Yeah. She's the wife of Hank Pym, the mother of Hope, and she died in a mission in Ant Man. We saw that, right? She shrunk too small. There did seem to be some reference to her as Scott Lang is kind of, if you remember that, there was something weird in there yeah. about her maybe being trapped in there. If you go back to the Secret Invasion story arc, she's thought to have died, right. but ended up shrinking exactly. in that battle yeah. into the, getting trapped in the microverse. Yeah. So this is an unprecedented territory. And we know she's going to the film, Jen, or Jenna Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> does have a character poster. So it's going to be interesting to see her arc. And I'm excited, you know, going back to my original thoughts on what Ant-Man should be with Hank Pym and Janet, we're going to actually get to see a relationship there and hopefully they utilize that technology yes. and give us a little bit more backstory. Yeah. That'd yeah, be pretty a cool. sucker for a young Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. back in the Catwoman days. So <laughs> love to see them go back. <laughs> young, <laughs> old, it's all good, brother. <laughs> what do you guys hope that they do with Janet Van Dyne here? Do you want her to be a pivotal character or just a nice nod to the old Avengers, the old Ant-Man comics? Like, what do you want from Janet in this film? I know it sounds pretty predictable and probably pretty cliche, but I really want to see her go against her daughter in the sense of, like, don't put on the suit. Like, yeah. this mm-hmm. is what it did to me. I, You know, being a mother, being a father, you would probably never want that on your kid, right? right. So I really want to see her have that conflict with her daughter. I mean, obviously, uh, Hank Pym's probably all for it. I mean, he yeah. basically has a suit ready for it, but I would like to see her do that. Like I said, probably pretty cliche, but I'd like to see the dynamic between those two. Mm-hmm. Go cool. Ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see her maybe just join on missions and join and become one of the team and maybe like have Hank Pym join as well, come I'm back and suits. put on the suits and, you know, just have a big old family adventure with all f- five of them now with, if Goliath is in there yeah. then have all of them and just have some crazy, awesome trilogy third movie. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. I'm actually looking forward most to, um, the interaction of Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping for a very like antagonistic relationship. Yeah. Not touching on kind of the craziness that they did in the past with Hank Pym being abusive and all that. Don't need to go anywhere near that. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere near that. But I want to see them have a really good back and forth. And just in a sense that she's always giving them shit. And I, I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a cool new dynamic to bring to that. If you have, you know, Scott Lang and Hope, you know, having a bit more of that superhero relationship, you need to bring in a little bit of that, that antagonism between two characters. And, you know, sure. you know, Scott Lang's crew is clearly going to be the comedic relief of all this, but I want to see a little bit of the, from that from um, Michelle Pfeiffer and, and um, Michael Douglas. I think that'd be kind of that cool, be cool. Yeah. to explore that relationship in a bit more depth, kind of pick up where they left off, but like 40 years later. Great. It'd be kind of cool. 
That would be. Yeah. Down with yeah. That. Do you think we'll see a cameo of Peggy Carter in the flashback? Oh. Because we got her last time. Yeah. And uh, Howard Stark, maybe? Yeah. Or Ooh. at least some... I don't, yeah, because I'm trying to think when all that took place. Suddenly in the seventies, eh? yeah, no way after that. Oh, it's way after. Yeah, Peggy it's like spin-off. twenty years after that. Oh, I believe it's in the seventies, and oh. that show took right after World War Two. Right, right. Because she was aged up in that, so right. there might be room to have a bit of a Peggy Carter, Howard Stark yeah. type of cameos. And just trying to think back, what else has been um, in the films that we could refer to? But it, giving a little bit more history of Shield, given that that a lot of that has been kind of dissolved away or maybe not present within the Marvel Cinematic Universe as of late, going back and having Janet interact with Peggy Carter, because that can now connect up like that universe with Cap's universe and Iron Man's, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a cool connection point that you can take all those characters back to S.H.I.E.L.D. as being some of the founders, some of the scientists that are involved with all this. But then it makes a relevant connection between a lot of different characters. Like if you go back to um, even Civil War, Scott Lang yells at one point, Hank Pym said never to trust a Stark. Right. Oh, which yeah. Which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, there might be some more exploration of of their back history in this film itself. And I think it'll satisfy that want to have for a bit more of the Hank Pym, Janet Van Dyne story in this. Right. That cool. that maybe, for even from the trailers, we're not going to get any of that, right? Right. So that might be a, a nice surprise within the film. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about, you mentioned Goliath here. This is a character called Bill Foster. Um, he's played by Lawrence Fishburne of DC Extended Universe fame. He's taking all the old yeah. DC guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's a friend of Hank Pym. I'm questioning whether or not he's going to be or have some involvement as a villain at some point. Uh, now, he's not in the comic books, as far as I know. And this character dates way back to the early days of Ant-Man with Hank Pym. So I'm interested to see this character. What are you guys thoughts on him being maybe a pseudo villain of sorts? I think, um, I think he won't be a villain, but I think like every scientist, they've done something by accident, which is helping the villain in some way. Like he possibly creates something and that helps a villain back in time or a villain that we see like ghost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The ghost is a villain in this film. Right. So I feel like he probably has something like that, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Civil War, wasn't he on the opposite side of Ant-Man? Like, didn't they each choose... Goliath wasn't in uh, Civil War. It wasn't... Oh. It was Goliath, but it wasn't this Goliath. He's think... like Giant Man. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it was Bill Foster. Oh, okay. It was... In Civil War? It's not... Yeah, no, in Civil War, the comic run. Oh, you're talking about... Yeah, yeah the yeah. comic book oh, run, sorry. Isn't that, isn't that the original Goliath? Isn't it the same guy? Isn't it Bill Foster? Or is it the... I'm not sure, because Cassie Lang is also in that, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They okay. probably just did it because it looked for a cool visual as like them, like two giant people right. battling. Right, he dies ultimately by the fake Thor. Whoa, spoiler alert. This is, this is Civil War. It's been out since 2006. <laughs> Some of us are still getting around to reading it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's gonna be a villain. Um, I've heard actually some interesting things about the villains in this movie. So Let's I keep that spoiler. I don't. I'm spoiler not gonna. Free I'm free. not gonna spoil yeah. it or anything. But just one of the reviews. It was a spoiler-free review, and I was like, okay, I'd never heard of this before, so I ended up doing some more research on it. But uh, we'll talk about it for the Ant Man and Wasp review. Oh, yeah, next week. Okay, we'll you got an insider there, eh? Yeah, yeah. because good. because the main villain that's been at least presented to us in the trailers is the ghost yes. mm-hmm. so it's an interesting character um it's played by hannah john Kamen. so i'm not too familiar with the actress but this character in the comics is traditionally male they switched the gender here the the producers and the directors said that gender was somewhat irrelevant with this character and so i think it's great 
they decided to go with the female villain again. Yeah. Some of the strongest villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, albeit there's not many of them, have yeah. been female. Yeah. And so the cool thing about the ghost, and it's a fairly, I don't know, minor, I would say. I'm not sure even in the history. I don't know a ton of history about Ant-Man himself from the comic books. But the ability to kind of phase through objects via some sort of stealing of PIM technology, I think is pretty cool visually. It's going to be awesome to see what they do with this. You kind of got that whole shaky thing. And yeah. You see mm-hmm. her in some of the trailers kind of jumping through walls or whatever. Right. So it's going to be an interesting character to go toe-to-toe with Ant-Man and the wasps themselves with the ability for them to shrink and this whole quantum realm thing and all that right. seems to fit fairly well. And I'm excited for this film because unlike, what was it? Yellow Jacket. Yeah. There's a character that suffered from the same thing that, you know, even an Iron Monger or Whiplash yeah. does is that they're a character that is born out of very similar technology to save story time. So they don't have to say, oh, there's this whole different alien thing, blah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and have this whole other backstory. They're just like, same technology, bad dude, wants to do evil things, therefore you get it. Yeah. You don't have to think too much about it. This seems maybe they're going to put a bit of a different spin on it. Yes, it is born of similar technology, but it's like that next evolution of it. And so it's going to help in not only giving the character or the villain a bit more of a backstory, which is something we've seen be real successful, you know, with Eric Killmonger, with Thanos, even a bit with, uh, what's her name from Thor Ragnarok? Oh, Valkyrie? Or no, Hela. Hela, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bit more beefy backstory to the villains. Yeah often seems to elevate them so if you can use that to develop ghost backstory as well as this idea of the quantum realm too so it might be an interesting way to give a lot more visual exposition as to how the quantum realm works how everything's going on using this this villain character that is a villain maybe not a villain i don't know is it a greater good situation so i'm hoping that they use this character for a lot more other rather than just cool visuals and kind of punchy punchy yeah yeah, yeah. no i'm right there with you yeah so overall this film looks very exciting super pumped for it now if you look at the rotten tomato scores as it stands right now with 96 reviewers it's 83 percent rotten well, tomato geez. so certified fresh so Good. this seems to be received fairly well audience score haven't got that one yet we'll talk about that next week once that's fully revealed with after people start seeing this but overall general positive reaction now let's talk about box office predictions something that we have to throw on the table before the film does debut now going back and looking at the original ant-man it debuted to 57 million dollars on its opening weekend it was relatively the same weekend i believe july 17th 18th something like that oh, okay yeah sounds familiar so yeah very very similar time frame it's spring release in and it went on to do about 180 million dollars domestic hmm. now where do you guys think this is going to land given what's around it incredibles 2 jurassic world infinity war still lingering in their deadpool a lot of films out there right now how do you think this is going to do opening weekend I'm going to be pretty positive on this because I need a big win for my box office nice. run. <laughs> uh, this is my number two pick. So uh, I'm going to go 105. 105. I think okay. it's going to beat expectations. And I think it's going to, you know, the positive word of mouth. It's got gr- great reviews. So, um, yeah, 105. I think that's going to do pretty well. Okay, Troy. Comes out next this week, hey? Yeah. Uh, what do you say it did? 57 originally? 57 originally. I'm projecting 88. 88? Okay. 88. Yeah, okay. I'm going to stick it in there at 88. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to slightly overperform. So if you look back at some of the other films like Thor Ragnarok, or Thor Ragnarok, it's not going to perform like Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange, which did $85 million. Yeah. 
It's tracking kind of around that, so okay. you're, you're pulled there. So, okay. But I'm actually going to say $94 million is going to do. Okay, so okay. just shy of Captain America Winter Soldier. It's going to get almost a double on its original take because of Infinity War, the mm-hmm. popularity of the brand of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, oh, yeah. and people's awareness of who Ant-Man is. Last time, not a lot of people knew who this character was. This is coming off the heels of Age of Ultron as well, so which saw a bit of dip in quality. That wasn't reflected so much, or that was reflected a bit in Ant-Man and the Wasp, if I'm thinking about that correctly. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, maybe? I don't know. Anyways, I think it's going to do, yeah, kind of that mid-90s, I'll say. 94, I believe, there. So I like it. I think it's going to have a pretty good weekend. It's not going to be, and I don't think the expectation should be that it's going to perform anywhere like Guardians 2 or Spider-Man Homecoming or anything on that level. This is kind of one of those films, and again, when we talked about expectations with Solo and all that, get to lower those a bit. Not every Marvel film is going to make $600 plus million at the box office domestic. It's probably mm-hmm. going to finish in and around that $250, $300 million mark. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's going to do fairly well. It's going to get this thing definitely a, another sequel, I believe. It's another franchise that is going to extend beyond the end of Phase Three and continue on into Phase Four, especially with the character like the Wasp, maybe potentially taking this franchise and running with it a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now let's talk last things here. Post credit scene Ooh. predictions. First, you have to predict is it going to be one or two, and then follow-up is what they're going to be. I'm going to throw this to you first, Sanjay. Um, I can only think of one, so I'm going to say one right now. Yeah. Um, What's it going to be? What's it going to be? <laughs> it's going to be... I think it's going to be uh, someone disappearing. It'll be like six months later or whatever, and then it'll be like either Ant-Man or the Wasp, and then just one of them disappears, and then they're like, what's happening? Yeah. I think that's what it's going to be. Okay. Troy? Uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh probably going to be wasp disappearing just because yeah. we, we do know already off the set photos Cody, uh, yeah scott lang's in the uh, episode, episode spoiler four. alert <laughs> just for this there's photos out there we talk about every week <laughs> and I but think, i don't listen to this podcast <laughs> and i think we're gonna get um either hawkeye or black widow um approaching uh scott lang and be like yeah. you gotta come with us okay that would be bad yeah. Ass. yeah something like that oh man he's gonna be changed because at first so i was thinking like how do you leverage everything i think we all are on the same page it's gonna be some sort of infinity war i agree like a six months later yeah someone disappears hank pym hope all that they, they kind of gone and left scott lang but this idea of then him being approached by hawkeye or someone right because mm-hmm. hawkeye is the one who got went and got him for civil war right right yeah. that would be really cool because oh. so i was originally thinking okay they're gonna do something with the quantum realm and captain marvel right oh yeah um, like are they gonna reference yeah. so we have a reference at the, at the end of avengers infinity war yeah. to captain marvel are you gonna get something similar there i like this better it makes more sense is that our cap or someone right and be like scott like what's up you're yeah. left so there's not many of us left what do you want to do? Like, I think that would be really cool. I think that's the way they have to go. Mm-hmm. And it might even be two is you see everyone yeah. disappear. They establish the timeline. Yeah. And then the follow-up is, is, is Scott Lang being like, we're like trying to figure this out. And then he's approached by, you know, one someone. Of the Avengers, yeah. Oh, it's gotta be Hawkeye. Uh, I it's think so. Hawkeye. I think yeah. so. That'd be sweet. Do you uh, think, yeah. uh, half the ants disappear? <laughs> you know, when Thanos snaps just... his fingers. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like you see all these like little like ant pixels flying away. That's interesting. Did it, snuff out half of animal animal life must have too right yeah what about plants they're alive the half of plants so then if plants are alive and he snaps sentient beings maybe (laughs) i don't know (laughs) well so what if you have like a monkey that knows sign language do they disappear or not 
A monkey's a sentient being. Yeah, <laughs> random selection. It's breathing. <laughs> well, plants breathe too. Oh, we, okay, here we go. We'll get into that in our Avengers. Did the plants survive? Yeah. Imagine if I had like one chance meeting with the directors of Avengers 4 and that's what we talked yeah. about for like an hour. Did the plants survive? Uh, I never really gave much thought to that. Yeah. You see these palm trees disappear in Avengers 4 now because of me? They spend like the whole movie di- dissecting that and not even touching on Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Thanos long care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got some weeds in the back. Thanos can you do your thing. Gone. All right, gentlemen. That about wraps it up for this week for the Nerd Room. If you'd like to be a part of this show, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or YouTube. You can always catch us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And for next week, we're going to be talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, a full spoiler review, full episode length review there. We're going to be breaking this thing down, everything from the key plot moments to the characters, to the end credit scenes, to the box office prediction, to everything that we can think of for Ant-Man and the Wasp. So make sure you get out to the theaters and see that and catch up with us next week. So until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.